our true intentions are hidden in the backstage of our presented identity. Hello listeners and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinoma Bitan and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the listeners, and now viewers as well, hello YouTube, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hello, Akin. How are you hey, doing? Hey, hey, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling Week nineteen good. of lockdown. Is it? Is it? Is it, are we this? Have we? Have we? Have we? Have we crawled yeah. this deep into the rabbit hole now? Oh wow! Okay, I can't keep up with it, man. Okay. <laughs> have you ever felt too good to hire? Hell yeah! I am. I am. I, I, I am. The, I feel that now. I am too hot to handle. I. <laughs> I feel like you kind of should like. Yeah, yeah. Like you should kind of like go into, if you're applying for jobs, you kind of should be feeling yourself. Yeah. And if you're not feeling yeah. yourself, you should probably then work on yourself. You kind of want to go into it being a bit like, hey, yeah. I'm the I got a lot of sizzle. Yeah, and I got some stuff to offer. Absolutely. Precisely. And I love, um, that's what's kind of fun about today's exciting episode and article is it's a little counterintuitive because what it implies is for applicants that are really, really qualified for a job you might even say overqualified for the job we'll have to talk about whether they overdid it a bit but if you have something that's overqualified for the job it might actually send the wrong signals in terms of like managers hiring them and i think that's really cool because i think what happens is when you're hugely overqualified it makes the manager hiring person ask what's up with this you know this doesn't feel right and i think that's really a cool Anyway, let's introduce the article. Let's introduce the. Let's um, do it. Let's rumble because, hey, man, I'm gonna. I'm. I know. I'm telling you. I'm giving you the heads up now. I'm gonna kick off several times during this episode. This one hit me in the chest. (laughs) Well, here's what I like about it too. It's one of our organizational um, papers. You know, a lot of times we study and talk about kind of psychological phenomena. And this is one where we're moving back into the organization a little bit. And you know, everybody tries to get jobs, so most people can kind of relate to it. But uh, anyway, so let's see. Do you want to do a sh- any shouting out? You want me to shout out? How are you feeling? Uh, I tell you what, I'll do the title, uh, yeah. and then yeah, you can you can hit them up with the the name. Yeah. So yes, yeah. the title of this paper is "Too Good to Hire?" Question mark Capability and Inferences about Commitment in Labor Markets. Yes, and this is a Roman Gelprin, Oliver Howell, Adina Sterling, and Jerry Gio. And they are at places like John Hopkins, Carnegie Mellon, and Stanford, respectively. And I'll tell you, this journal, it really doesn't mean a lot to most people listening to us. But I just wanted to throw it as a side. It's called the Administrative Science Quarterly. And when I went to Cornell University, this was considered like the best journal in the world. Okay. okay. <laughs> because it's published there. Because it's published yep. there. So this is so like the Premier League. This is me. like the... Me, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So anyway, it's kind of a fun one to kind of, you know, see that Super. they got something in there. So how yeah. would you like to kick off? Like what, what's on your mind? It sounds like something's really kind of oh, touching this you. Is, <laughs> this is, I feel like what they have done here... And they do not explicitly say it in this paper. So this is Akin's understanding of what he has read. 
what they what well, he's read sorry what they have done here is they've laid out something that's very important and crucial about understanding where like understanding the origins of toxicity in workplaces mm. this like really mm. gets at the root of where the toxicity kind of like stems from, because this is the hiring process. So what we're going to do is we're going to delve into the hiring process, which kind of lets you kind of gives you an insight into the, I guess if you could say like the psychological profile of the company that you are, let's say interviewing for, this gives you like a big insight into why work later can start feeling like, well, slavery, Sucks. essentially. <laughs> yeah. So what they what they wanted to do is they wanted to examine like the signals that we give when we're being interviewed for jobs. And those signals could be about our, our most likely about our capability. Like we want to kind of show off our, our personalities as well, but we need hard stuff to kind of say, you know, I was Job educated skills. at this place. Yep, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know how to use these kind of like tools. I'm connected. I've got this number of years of experience. So you're trying to present that for the job that you want. The the company has said, we need someone to do X. You're like, I'm great at X. They're like, how good are you at X? You're like, here's how good I am at X. And they're like, you're a bit too good at X. We're going to go for someone else. <laughs> We're going with the turkey because we think we can control him or her. Hey, man, this is... You know what, Akin? I know this is going to have to come up later, but it is so like dating, isn't it? It's this whole idea about like trying to find your match because if you overpunch, if you go too high, you kind of know they're gonna find they're gonna, they're gonna find out you're a loser. Yep. If you go too low, you're gonna go, you're totally a loser. <laughs> but that, okay, so yeah, with, before we get into the uh, the methods and the approach, this is why I believe it's kind of like the basis of a of a of a toxic kind of like relationship because yeah, yeah. if you if you believe that you're you're ready for the dating world, the relationship world, you should be bringing a healthy version of yourself, and the individual who who is kind of like engaging with you, they should be bringing their most healthy self. So I shouldn't be going into like, you know, looking for jobs or kind of like looking for relationships scared that the individual has too much to offer me. Like that's like, that's what we're kind of looking at here where this whole idea of people being overqualified, what the employer is indicating is suggesting that I think you are too good for me. I don't think you're going to stay. I don't think you're going to love me. I don't think you're going to do what I tell you to do. I think you're going to be free and independent. And that threatens me. Yes. Isn't that interesting? I can. Hey man. There's two really cool mechanisms, psychological mechanisms that they're going to look at. And I'm I'm really kind of excited to unpack these because I think they do a pretty masterful, clean, simple job of peeling away these heady truths that you're talking about. And like the first truth is the one where if I think you're too good for this, then I'm a little bit worried about whether you'll buy into the company and commit to its purpose because you're just kind of using us somehow. And like, I don't understand Mm. how or why, but like what I'm imputing on your excellence is you're using me instead of believing in me. That's one thing. That's weird. Yep. But second off is this notion of flight risk. Which is like, as soon as a good one comes along, you're going to bail on me. I can see that because you're overqualified. And I think those two mechanisms are um, 
you're right. It puts distrust at the heart of the relationship. Or another way to say it, by the way, a more pleasant way to say it is by not hiring overqualified people, they're trying to protect themselves from that distrust, aren't they? Totally. And But in that process, they're losing out on the best experience. The best people. They're losing out on the best people. And what they're actually doing mm-hmm. is they are, man, do, I can't remember if we swear or not on this podcast. We do what a little bit. Is, I do a bit. They, yeah. They're fucking up the talent pool. <laughs> This is this is what they're doing because yeah, if, I'm a be a matching. Mm. if I'm a mediocre individual and I'm getting the jobs above the highly talented people, I am not incentivized to become mm. a highly talented person. Mm. If mm. I'm a highly talented person and I'm losing jobs to mediocre people, I'm now incentivized to dumb myself down. Mm. So mm. instead of the mm. talent pool being something where everyone's aspiring to be the best everyone's aspiring just to kind of just be just under the radar. Mm-hmm. You want to kind of just mm-hmm. get in the door. And then once you're in the door, mm-hmm. it's now a fight to now regain your, yes. your individuality. Yes. Everybody's almost motivated to be like a very good sheep, like a yes. good pleasant sheep, like just get in the line and like kind of do the thing. Yep. Uh, I also be, before we dive in, which we probably should do soon, but we really should. I, dive in. <laughs> I did want to put out there though, this idea that there is wisdom in this as well. So what, everything you just said is not only cool, but true. So I get that. It really does make sense that it's supposed to be like an efficient matching process. And that means each party should put their very best forward. Okay. I got that. And I think that's right. It is also true though, that from the organization's perspective, if we're not going to be able to get you to stick around long enough, that is part of the efficiency. Oh man, we're going to get it. We're going to really get into this paper, Dan, because that point right there, you know what? I'm going to quickly answer it now. Maybe when we go through the paper, the problem with that is as an organization, your responsibility is to create an environment in which people want to stay. Mm -hmm. If you Mm -hmm. create somewhere where people feel like they are flourishing, who leaves an amazing Mm -hmm. job that they love and Mm -hmm. they're respected and they're kind of like, you know, encouraged, they can like, who leaves that kind of job? You're being treated well, you're being paid well, you're, you're, you know, you're being pushed towards what you want to do. There's this balance between what I want to do and what I have to do. You're, you're, um, you're recognized as an individual. No, no one's going to be in a rush to leave. And even if they leave as an organization, you feel like, Hey man, we, we created the best environment that we could so that our people could do mm-hmm. the best job that they could. And if they left, that's on them. Mm-hmm. But if we now start behaving in a way where we're scared that people will leave guessing. us, yeah, mm-hmm. we start second guessing. That suggests mm-hmm. that we haven't created something that is like a fertile ground in which people can, we got to get into it. Cause I'm like, I, oh, I like man, this, like this paper fired me up. Let's kind yeah. of, let's get into study one. Cause let's do it. Okay. <laughs> there is science so, here, people. <laughs> yeah. There are four studies in total um, and they're very similar. And so we'll spend a little more time on the very first one. And on this very first one, what they did, it's kind of awesome to be honest. I, I just, it's so clever. They had a class where some people that were studying, human resource management, there were these evening business program students that came in, there were 80 of them, and they basically just gave them a survey about like these people that you could hire and tell us what you think. And of the 80, 69 said, yeah, I'll do that survey. Why not? Now, in this first one, it was the weakest in a way of the four, because what they did is they gave every single um, respondent, they were these managers, they gave them two people to look at in random order. And the people were like totally identical, like basically like same terms of education and the places they've worked before. And they were elite 
backgrounds and all this stuff, same tier of school, all that stuff. Then they randomized which order they saw them, but everybody saw both of them. Okay, so that's kind of like the bit of the setup. Akin, do you want to take it and kind of run with it from there? Or do you want me to keep going with that? Yeah, so just in terms of that setup as well, just to put it in like, you know, just kind of like real life terms. So a company is looking for, you know, they're trying to fill a position and two individuals are applying for this position. So you could just assume that they're kind of like, if we just say they're just kind of like reviewing the CVs of these individuals and they're pretty much almost identical in terms of like their, their capabilities, almost identical. So like, but like one of them is a highly capable individual and the other one is a moderately capable individual. And those words are so important listeners because um, that's going to be used four times. <laughs> so like, so <laughs> get actually, I mean, get used to hearing that one is an, ex- this is in quotes, an extremely high capability candidate. And the other one is a quote, moderately high like that little difference between extremely and moderately is the whole action. <laughs> so, yeah, so they could, so essentially imagine you're an employer, you have two people who can do a good job. One of them can do it at a high level. One of them can do it at a moderate level. This is what we're looking at here. And so the way that they differentiated between who was extremely highly capable and who was moderately highly capable. So this is just like this, this was the main difference between the candidates. So the highly capable candidate had managed a team of 10 direct reports to assess a and pitch opportunities and business things. Uh, but they had closed business deals worth 1.5 billion Fantastic. The other individual, the moderately high capable, uh, capable, uh, candidate for the job had managed a team of two direct reports and had done this pitching and business things for like, uh, to, to the value of about 15 million. So, you know, there's a big difference in between those numbers, like a massive difference in between those numbers in terms of 15 million to 1.5 billion. Huge difference. There's a big difference between managing two individuals and managing 10 individuals. And when Dan talks about a lot of the studies that we cover on this podcast being counterintuitive, if you wanted one of those individuals to work with you, the mm, that's it. what seems obvious is yes. that it should be the individual right. who has managed more individuals right. and brought in a significantly higher amount of money. But what happened, Dan? I also wanted to point out, because again, this is the first time the listeners are hearing this. They did uh, basically a LinkedIn profile page for each candidate. And so like, that's pretty relevant. I think it's just worth putting out there that it wasn't just like giving them a piece of paper. You know, it looked yep. like the sort of hiring that these people would be doing. And then what they did is they had them look at these people in random order. And that's really important that you'll hear that. They, they randomized which order you saw first because this isn't the strongest methodology in the world because everybody is seeing both people. So right off the bat, I just have to be honest with you, right off the bat, it's a little weak because as the the looker of them, you're kind of guessing, what's this researcher on about? Mm. Like You're trying to infer what they're trying to learn about your decision. So there's a lot of meta stuff that's not great for science, but this is just yep. study one. But what they did is they asked people, how would you rate the capabilities? How would you rate the competence? They sort of got that because they wanted to be able to make sure that they saw the quality difference, which they totally did. And then they asked questions about like how committed would that candidate be like how motivated while working at the organization? Would they work there for the long term? They kind of got at some of the psychology mm-hmm. that might be going off in these people's yes. heads. 
And what I also, sorry, just to jump in as well, what I also do love about the simplicity of this setup is when you have people just viewing like online profiles, you eliminate so many biases because now it's not about personality. It's not about like who looks better. This is just information. That's it. That's just information. And and it's unrealistic at this point. I mean, that's great that you just said that, Akin, because it's, it's, in real life, we usually at least have an online interview where you kind of chat with the person. This is clean. Like that's the good news and the bad news of, uh, of an experiment like this is the good news is you clean out all the bullshit and you essentially, what we found here has to be because of what we manipulated because that's the only difference on the bad side. It loses what's called external validity because in real life, you don't hire somebody just looking at their picture and their profile on LinkedIn. You, you get it on the phone at the minimum, but you usually have an interview. It'd be so, pretty weird, right? It'd be pretty weird. I still think it'd be real weird, to be honest. No, that's what I'm saying. Stuff. That would be yeah. real weird. Like yeah. if I just pinged an email to Coca-Cola yeah. now and yes. then I tell, I'm like, I hit you up. I'm like, Dan, you never guess what? You're like, what's that kid? I'm the VP of Coca-Cola. <laughs> Like what happened? Nah. Emailed them and asked for the job. <laughs> I sent them a LinkedIn profile. And they were pretty impressed. <laughs> so anyway, I start Monday. Um, I probably only worked there a week because I think I'm overqualified. But <laughs> ah, so get this. Uh, here's what they found. And again, I, I almost can't emphasize enough how counterintuitive this is. They found that the extremely high capable candidate was less hireable than the moderately capable candidate. They gave them a less likelihood of an offer. And, um, you know, right off the bat, that's just messed up. Like, that isn't, that isn't how it works. <laughs> like, I was reading this and, like, because I've had loads of people, I've had loads of friends who have kind of, like, you know, they come back from interviews and they're just a bit like, man, I, like, I, I, I had to, like, dumb myself down. I didn't want them to know, like, how much work I had done, how much project... Like, they're like, no, I want to, I want the job. I want to get into the company. But like, they were terrified that like, if they really kind of express the glory of their potential, it'd be like, nah, we don't really need, we don't need Can I give you a quick story about that? Please do. Please do. I haven't thought about this in 25 years. When I, once upon a time, tried to get a job coming out of my undergrad degree, so at Penn State University in like 91 I was getting this job, uh, at least trying to get this job with Anderson Consulting. And back then, now that's called Accenture. And they offered me this job. It was a pretty awesome thing because there was a recession going on as a change management consultant. And part of what I told them, I was really interested in like managing people and like human resources and stuff. Part of what I told him is like, I'll mostly do that, which is like client facing work and you get on an airplane, you solve their problems. But I said like, I'd also be really interested in helping like you run your company. Meaning like, I'd like to help work on incentives and like pay systems and to, to run Accenture, you know? And um, the guy laughed and said, Oh no, it doesn't work like that at all. <laughs> then I like, you would just do the job that we're hiring for. And I'm like, no, no, I have all this talent and interest. He's like, like almost said, like, be quiet now. Mm. But, and it, 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 I wouldn't say it threatened him. It confused him that I would want to do more stuff. And it goes right to your point, Akin. It confused me that he was confused. Because <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, no, no, I mean, I, I mean, like, on the side. I don't mean, like, I won't do an awesome job. I'll do the awesome job. But I'm just saying, I also have all this other skill and interest. And it was almost like 
saying the flat notes. I could tell it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working. <laughs> hey man, like if, like listeners, if you have ever been in an open plan office, you can attest to everyone is confused. If you've ever been in a, everyone, no one knows. No, Cause like we can't just, no one knows what's going on. Everyone is always confused. We need to have a meeting Monday morning. Why? So that we kind of know what's happening this week. Wait, don't we all have jobs to do? And then, you know, then we've got this lunchtime meeting to see what, to review the, the breakfast meeting. And then before everyone goes home, we should have a, a meeting just before everyone goes home. And in between that, I'm going to email everyone several times. You're going and if they off. don't reply within two minutes, I'm going to call them and ask them if they got my email because I am confused and everyone is confused. Do your jobs, people. Just wow. do your job. Okay. Do your job. Okay. 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 As you can tell, this this paper really flared. <laughs> Touched me up. a nerve. Um, he so, flinched. So, so as Dan okay. mentions, the results oh were phenomenal. God. The highly awesome. extremely capable <laughs> candidate was shown to have a likely, a less likely of being offered a job to the moderate person. We are, prof- we are choosing, yes, choosing mediocrity over excellence. And they also were able to show statistically, they do a better job in the next set of studies, but they were able to show that there was, this was due to uh, post-hire commitment. It was, it was that, that, they, that if you controlled for how committed you thought the person would be to the organization, mm. the effect went away. So essentially what they were able to prove, and I say that in quotes because this isn't that strong of a methodology, but in this first study, they were able to demonstrate that it looks like they downgraded the better applicant because they were worried about their commitment. And so that actually yeah. like pushes us right into study two, which they tested much better. Um, before we leave study one, Akin, is there anything that you wanted to just mention? Like we covered why a field experiment is both good and bad, I think. Yep. And we covered um, some of the sort of methodological problems and strengths there. Is there anything else that jumped out at you? Is like, I'm, I'm not sure if it's been underlined, but the, the big issue here is, is this fear of someone committing to you. Like, just so that we can really underline this, like, yes, there's a certain degree of like people being like intimidated or confused. But the big thing here is that during these processes, the fear is that the individual who is more capable is also highly likely to be more of a flight risk. Like they cannot be kind of like chained down and just told to do anything. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, so man. This powerful. is this is the fear. This is that's the fear. Right. It's like the. Yeah. I know, like uh, growing up, there was all this talk about, like you know, how men have got like commitment phobia. Like we won't just kind of like you know just commit yeah. to something. Well, not even yeah. something. Like in terms of like dating, a relationship. But the yeah. the other side of that is having a fear that someone will not commit to you. To you. Like there's both sides of that side. That's that is a so double edged right. sword because you can't. Right. It's that's very right. difficult to date someone. Like if you're on a first date and someone starts bringing up like marriage like if i'm on a job interview and they're like where do you see yourself in five years i'm like cool it man yeah Yeah. like relax you know even offered me the job yet if i'm on a first date with someone and they're like where do you see us in five years i can i'm like i tell you what (laughs) i'm like you know what i've got like two drinks of this and i am i am running as far away that second drink has now become questionable to be honest (laughs) to be honest that second drink you know what? Actually, I'll just have a, I'll have a sparkling water. 
Okay, study two. Study two. Study two. We got yeah, we got like we got to jump through these studies. So in study two, what they wanted to do, and like, do feel free to jump in, Dan, because sure. I've read way too much of this, and I'm like totally confused. Like I'm now confused. But in study two, what they wanted to see is what are the effects if they just look at just one candidate. So in yes. the first one, they were comparing yes. individuals. So they were comparing yes. the highly yes. um, uh, capable to the moderately capable. So in study two, they wanted to see what if we just let individuals just look at the highly capable and the moderately capable. They're not comparing them. You just see one profile. And then based on that, they had these kind of like roundabout questions of seeing how commitment was gauged. Okay, good. And the second thing that I believe the study showed, I'm going to have to get into it, is number one is for these 212 new hiring managers, they saw only one candidate, as you said. The second important thing here is that I believe they manipulated both capability, like super, super qualified and not, and commitment. So they, they found a way to sort of manipulate how committed the person seemed and what that means is you're able to infer causality a lot cleaner. That's the yes. Case. You're able to know that if we take care of the commitment problem, the effect goes away. And if you're able to demonstrate that, it actually gives you a lot more power to say, this is the problem. So anyway, uh, those are two improvements on this study. Super. Uh, so yeah. Any, ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, when you start, I start looking at my notes and I realize I'm drowning. <laughs> I'm literally <laughs> drowning in information here. Well, but it so, is a big set of studies because, you know, it's four different ones and they don't, they're, they're fairly small iterations as they go through yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the, manip- the manipulation checks here. And so this is like, as Dan was talking, like really trying to like refine kind of like causality. So after just looking at just the one candidate's mm-hmm. profile, mm-hmm. they were asking them questions such as how competent the, ca- uh, the candidate would be in his job, how productive the candidate would be in his previous job, how skilled the candidate is, how much finance experience the candidate has. So these were all things that were highly measurable from just the information. So when we now get to the second part, we now start the second set of questions or things that they're looking to rate. You then start seeing how people are now making assumptions off of that first batch because then they ask them to rate on a scale of like one to seven with one being low, seven being high likelihood to commit to the organization, commitment to the industry, willingness to stay in the company, willingness to work extra hours. So these are kind of things where without having a conversation with someone to gauge who they are and what they are like, we're making these assumptions. But even if we have a conversation with individuals, it's that individual's right to choose what they wish to reveal or conceal regarding their commitment. If I go for a job, I might want to be there for five years, but I want to see what it's like actually working there. I'm not going to commit myself to working five or 10 years there. And then on day two at the job, I realize, oh, wow, everyone here is confused. No one knows what they're doing. Everyone is frustrated, stressed. It's toxic. I can't work on projects that I want to work on. I'm in meetings like, you know, five out of the night. Yeah, I'm going to leave. Yeah. You know what you've done really well there, Akin, uh, is first off, showed your frustration. Thank you. <laughs> right, it is like bleeding <laughs> You nailed like... that. The second thing is you've, <laughs> you've just demonstrated what's called signaling theory at work. And the signaling theory, while we don't 
have time to like go into it deep. It's really interesting and important because it gets at the notion of when you have a market, each side is trying to gather information that the other person may or may not be honest about. And that actually takes us the whole way to the quote that I read at the beginning. Our true intentions are kind of hidden until we see what we see. And each party is like a buzzing little bee trying to gather the truth like nectar. And what we do is we use other information as signals of the true intentions. And so on both sides. And so it would work for relationships. It would work for buying a car or refrigerator. It would work for taking a job. Like when I say take like a car or refrigerator, like you don't really know how good the refrigerator is going to be, but they're given this warranty and the warranty acts like a signal of their true quality. Because mm. if, if you're giving me a 10-year warranty, I don't know if it's a good machine or not because I don't have it yet. But if you're giving me a 10-year warranty, it means you're backing the quality with a signal. Anyway, there, therefore, I'm more likely to say it's a high-quality thing. In this context, it's like if you're really super high-quality, the signal it's sending me is you're not going to stick around. You're not going to commit, and that makes me not like you. In this paper, I mean, sorry, in this study, what they did is they had this psychological test that they told people about. And in this psychological test, they said, this assessment was able to predict this candidate's likely commitment to your organization, and they're going to do fine. And half the people, randomly, they were saying- It's worth saying, Dan, as well, because you did the the air quotes on the psychological Uh, test. And just for the people who are listening, Dan did air quotes. They were told (laughs) that people had taken this psychological (laughs) test. Just just, I realized the listeners might not have seen your uh, your dashing eyes and your expression there. So what's so important about that is they essentially, for half the people, randomly did away, in quotes, they, they, they did away with this threat. And they're like, no, no, we got the psychology. This woman, this guy, keep her. They're going to stick around. Mm. Once they did that, this is what's so awesome. The effect went away. Yes, yes. That's so that's so. Important. Yeah, let's let's yeah let's really quickly talk about those two points because then we're probably going to have to speed through um, yeah. studies, yeah. kind of like free and free yeah. a. But yeah, what's super important there is that so if individuals had seen just the highly uh, capable person just the moderately capable person with the information that they were given, if they had just seen that still, so they've not even seen the comparison still, they're more likely to employ the moderately capable person, even without that comparison. So they replicated the first study. Yeah. So they replicated that, but without the comparison, you're not comparing them to anyone now. And what Dan is illustrating is that if you can convince someone that yes, there is a highly likelihood that both individuals have a highly likelihood of committing to this organization and its goals, the effect goes away. And this becomes the, the challenge for employees and employers yeah. where you really want to get to a place of, I guess, authenticity. And That's I don't it. mean that in the corny kind of way, but I mean, if we can be real with one another, yeah. both parties pay off. Like yeah. it's a payoff for both. The match is better. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so now we're moving to study three, and we will skim these ones. Um, yeah, like three, three essentially three, three A and three B. What they essentially did here is they wanted to replicate it two more times, which they did, but they also wanted to they really, really love a replication, don't they? Well, it's like- a good thing, especially remember our replication problem study. Yep, yep. You know, it, it's a really good thing to show, especially when you Previ- have a counterintuitive a effect. Episode. Okay, nice. It's funny when you find something counterintuitive you really want to show it a bunch of times because like it's a messed up result. Like you wouldn't have thought it. 
Okay, so anyway, they want to replicate it. But the other thing they want to do is really tease out these two mechanisms. So like in 3A, they got 227 people, paid them 650. They were all hiring managers and so on. But what they did in this one is they said, a, a source that you can trust has given you a little bit of extra information. <laughs> and half of those people were said, the source that you can trust knows that this candidate is excited about the firm's mission. And then half the people randomly said that the source that you can trust says that this candidate is excited about the firm's pay package. Mm. And there's a yes. lot that we could uncover there, but it's Ooh, is, actually it, kind of beautiful. Is there a quick, is there a quick and dirty version that you can give the peeps, Dan? Cause I'm just conscious of like the time as well, but like no, that, that, just I that mean, comparison yeah, of the importance absolutely. between those two yeah. things. Are, I'd say that the quickest thing is that means that half the people are randomly thinking that person cares about pay and half of them are concerned about the mission. And the quick answer is that when they were told that cares about the firm's mission, again, it completely flipped the result and they hired the most extremely qualified people. If they thought that it was about the pay, they hired the mediocre people. That's and the quick way to say it. I'm hoping that for some uh, people who are in the, the managing, like so the people who are in the employer position, I'm hoping whilst listening to this, I'm hoping that they're thinking, oh, maybe there's some things that we can tweak in terms of how work looks like for our people. And for people who are looking for jobs, I'm hoping that they're hearing this and thinking, okay, how can I really navigate the kind of application and interview process better so that I can, you know, be more myself, but then hopefully align myself. Cause you really do want to be looking for these things when you, That's when it. you are looking for jobs, if you do have multiple offers, you probably want to go to, you're probably going to want to go with the one that, that suits you best and that you're going to be able to thrive in. So if you start observing some of this toxicity from the, the get go, even if you think the pay is going to be good, hey, uh, me personally, some things aren't worth money. And like yeah. peace of mind is like definitely one of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm getting, I'm, I'm going off on some, like some hippie righteous vibes, man. But um, <laughs> so, and then free, like, do we have time for free B? Uh, is I think all, all the people need to hear is yeah? they replicated one more time. And in this one, they did a thing where um, there's been half the people randomly has turned down a job uh, somewhere else. And there's like the, and the other ones, it was an industry downturn and your firm is the only one hiring. But basically what they showed is as soon as you could prove to the hiring manager that the person turned down other job offers to take your job, then they totally went with the highest quality people. Mm. And so those studies are replications, but they're extensions that prove like beyond any shred of a doubt that it has everything to do with commitment. And once you take care of that commitment concern, it goes to normal again. Everybody wants the highest quality person. So wow. I think I think we can say, okay, that's it with the science. I mean, it really is well done. <laughs> it's it's just really, really well done. I think we're pretty far into this. I can, um, in terms of like final bits, we're probably close to that point now. I was just going to throw out more of a question and it's not one Ooh. that maybe could be rhetorical or it's just like, I was thinking how cool it is and weird it is that we built these organizations second. We built them in not that long ago, like the 1900s kind of is when we started like building these big organizations with like 10,000 people, like all like little busy bees before that, that wouldn't have existed. And it, it's interesting to me. I think we built them in the, the shadow of who we already were as people. And it's interesting to me that like what we've known for 
50,000 years is that we're social creatures that worry about matching. And one of your comments earlier really stung me or made me think in dating and trying to find a mate, it's not enough to find like the best one. You have to find one's going to kind of stick around. (laughs) Useful is sticking around and kind of helping a bit. (laughs) And so I think like we build organizations with the same fears that we have in life, like real life, like finding a partner. And I just think that's really interesting that we built the same fears into the organizations. That's not random. That's it's phenomenal, man. It's like it. This this kind of stuff blows my mind. Like that's like such a great point, Dan. I love like, it. I, yeah, it's like we can't. Rem- we we're trying to. We're trying to. We're, it's like we're trying to become post-human because we fear what being human is. And, yet and, it it's, keeps and all of it, yeah, it's like it's so pervade. Like we cannot escape from our nature. So instead of us trying to escape from it, we need to just embrace it. And when yeah. we once we embrace it, we just become more. We become more authentic. Yes, and then we and can start living in truth. And maybe even our podcast is by revealing these truths and by showing that counterintuitively, this is what's happening. It allows you to reconsider the way you make decisions and live your life. Totally. If you don't have the reflection of the truth, you kind of get it really wrong. <laughs> like a lot of our studies, it's just showing that we're going through life getting it wrong until you like hear it. You're like, holy shit. Yeah, it is that way now that I think of it, now that I can see it. But anyway, beauty of science, people. Totally. Dan, that is like such a, that's just such great notes. I, I think so at least. I'm leaving with like so much more food for thought now. So like totally thanks for sharing those closing remarks. Listeners, viewers, thank you very much for rocking with us. Uh, we, we, we're, we just, we love doing this, like squeezing the orange. We're really enjoying bringing this to you guys. So like if you're enjoying listening, uh, tell, tell some people like, you know, just like tweet about us, post about us on LinkedIn, Insta, Facebook, wherever you're at. Um, like, yeah, let peeps know. Uh, if you see us posting, hit, hit retweet, hit share, hit like. We're always there, open there to are like five comments. stars. Hit all of them. Yes. Oh, that's can, a great you know, point. We, you know, we have lots of five stars now. We got several five star reviews on like iTunes. Twenty something. Yeah, I, I'm so happy. And you know what? Like before, <laughs> you, we, before we dip. Yeah, before we dip. <laughs> someone gave us a once. If I find the individual who gave us a you one star, what? I'm gonna beat the brakes off of them. <laughs> and hey. on that note, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your life. <laughs> Did you just 